Steven. Yes. What episode are we doing today for episode number seven? What's the topic? Well, Aaron, I can't hear you because my headphones are on the couch behind me. But today's episode is to medicate or not to medicate. That is the question. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. This mask smells kind of funky. <laughs> 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 you see what I mean? You got to be crazy. It's too late to be sane. You got to go full tilt, full zoom. Because you're only given a little spark of that. We are attention. If you lose that, you're not attention. Hey, From me to you, don't ever lose that. Because it keeps you alive. Set your time timer. 40 minutes. All right. Um, uh, in classic ADHD fashion, my time timer is about 10 feet to my left. Then I, I'll just set mine. How about you I'll, set, I'll set mine? I'll Great. monitor it. Because actually two time timers is a little nuts. Boom. We're doing that. All right. All right. Sounds good. So to medicate or not to medicate? That is the question. Yes. And... I hear that question a bunch from all the time. Parents, teens, people that are newly diagnosed. It's one of those things we we don't we're not told a whole lot, especially I don't know how your diagnostic process went, but <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors, one of their specialties is not how to communicate effectively to their patients because psychiatrists or pediatricians, in my experience, Oftentimes, I have way more questions from the people who come to see me, you know, and confusion about what is ADHD and what do I do and should I right. take medications? I don't even know what these drugs are, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And they have all these questions. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that that's more of the, the standard than it is the exception to the rule. Um, Definitely. So... That's where we are kind of starting from is let's answer some of these questions, both from personal experience and some professional experience. I mean, you know, me as a coach, um, how, what can we talk to people about, about medicating and the struggle with that? How can we relate to that? So you want to take this? Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to start it off. Um, to springboard right off of what you mentioned, it's a conversation I have often. In fact, so often I can quote a conversation I had an hour ago with someone in England about this very discussion topic mm. to medicate or not to medicate. Uh, I mean, just within the U S alone, it's a massive question. You get outside of our country and it's an even more bizarro world out there um, regarding <clears throat> treatments and medication in the U S at least there is a, habit, perhaps an unhealthy habit of primary care physicians or PCPs mm -hmm. doing the diagnosing and prescribing, which is technically not the way you should go about it. Many uh, psychiatrists who are the folks who should be prescribing and diagnosing mental conditions will tell you that they are made uneasy by the, the percentage of young boys and girls diagnosed by PCPs instead of psychiatrists or at the very least a psychologist, right? And just to jump in, the percentage is really around 90% are diagnosed from their <laughs> PCP. Oh, wait a minute. 
wait a minute. We hit another one of those vast majority percentages. <laughs> okay, I was really, if for the listeners, I was really tiptoeing around what I was just saying. And with uh, with uh, Aaron's statistic there, I can I can pretty much erase the uh, the the tenor of the of, of, of tiptoeing and be like, yo, it's a up problem <laughs> no 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 scratch scratch the f and there's not there's not as it's a, many it's a 90, yeah in some areas especially rural areas there's not as many like actual psychiatrists for children and adolescents let alone adults who or know adhd and adults know how to prescribe for adult adhd or diagnose for adult right. adhd so there's this gap there's this huge gap actually in there the was... amount of people who can actually do this work and specialize in it there was an audience member. I don't think he was on the panel in 2015's Chad that we that you and I met at. Actually, he was. He was on the panel, and he's a doctor in his mid to late 50s, but mm-hmm. I think a, a PCP or a GP if you're in in Europe, right? Um, he has ADHD, but was diagnosed in his 30s or 40s, like really late on in life. Mm-hmm. And it you know it was one of those classic stories that made total sense. It it brought so much clarity to his life. But he's a very accomplished private practice doctor, and he laughingly reminisced on the panel for us his med school days and the the length of the section on abnormal psychology, <laughs> the, the, the and ADHD. The, I think yeah. wasn't it like oh, I mean, one no, no, class no, or that, something he no, said no, that that was the point. There wasn't a section on ADHD. Yeah. There was a small chapter on like a neurotypical conditions mm. and they were all lumped into a couple pages at the end of the book mm. and yeah he, he essentially had a class on it and and someone asked is that still the case and he said while i don't know 100 percent for sure i regret to inform that it's pretty damn close to that <laughs> like that we yeah. haven't made a whole lot of progress since the 70s yeah. in educating uh, med students in mental conditions and the u.s ironically happens to be one of the more informed first world countries when it comes to mental conditions and still yeah. we don't do a great job of giving a full picture a full spectrum and you know? a lot of doctors think they know adhd they know about it they've seen it but right. just seeing it and being aware that it exists is different from actually knowing the nuances knowing how to treat it knowing how to diagnose it knowing what right. other conditions can can look like ADHD because there's certain thyroid conditions. There's certain mm. other types of, of disorders that mimic symptoms of ADHD. Physical traumas, uh, PTSD, head traumas. Yeah. Head traumas, uh, various forms of yeah, PTSD, trauma. Tra- trauma yeah. Exactly. Tons of things, medical, yeah. you know, sleep deprivation. So lots oh, of things right. can we talked about that in another episode. <laughs> sleep deprivation yeah. can, can look a heck of a lot like, but let's, Let's bring this back to all right. So yeah. we know yeah, so that, to medicate or yeah. not to medicate. Well, this so is we know that there's one right. There's problems with the actual physicians and how this is diagnosed and how yeah. medications are prescribed or even explained to people. But okay, I would say that's problem number two. Probably problem number one <laughs> is the diagnosis and prescription. Problem number two is education about the meds. Yeah, and and I think that's what we can talk about today. Is like let's talk about what are the meds and. Mm-hmm how we ourselves have grappled with that question and what we've right. done about it. Cause that's probably sure. a, a thing that people want to know is, are we on meds? Have we tried meds? What meds? Where are we at with this? Yeah. Um, do, do you want to start you? I'm, I sure. Will, I, I mean, will. sure. Like, so for me, 
I was diagnosed at a young age as well, seven, eight years old, uh, and immediately put on Ritalin because Ritalin was the medication of choice. There really wasn't many options out there, and it was immediate release Ritalin. And then I believe it was around in fourth grade, fifth grade, they also put me on Wellbutrin because of behavioral issues and that kind of stuff. And Wellbutrin is a kind of atypical antidepressant, but it also, even though it's not, even though it's not, and well, before I get into the medications, I'll just say yeah. a disclaimer real quick that th this is from my personal perspective. So obviously anything I say today, you definitely want to like check with your doctor before acting on any of this stuff or, you know, walking in and being like, Hey, Aaron said this, like prescribe me this medication. It sounds great. Back to this. So I was prescribed Wellbutrin for a while. Is it, and, and, Wellbutrin, sorry to interject, yes. also an anti-anxiety? Anti um, or is it just, because my, I had a family member, I have a family member who also was prescribed Wellbutrin and, um. Anxiety and was, depression, they typically prescribe about the same drugs for anxiety and okay. depression. The co most common, commonly prescribed medication is, uh, SSRIs, like Zoloft, Prozac, right. those kind of classes of right. drugs. And, for folks who um, don't respond well to those types of drugs, then there's Wellbutrin. Wellbutrin has been shown to have a secondary benefit for focus and attention. And they don't really oh. know exactly why, but some people who can't tolerate stimulants well don't respond well to things like Ritalin, Adderall, those kind of... Amphetamines. Amphetamines, methylphenidate. So sometimes they're prescribed Wellbutrin. And I've had... Um, clients that have not had great experiences on any kind of antidepressants, but have found benefit either in the combination of Wellbutrin and a stimulant medication or even just Wellbutrin alone. But let's just, I just want to talk about the general uh, classes medication okay. real quick. So great. there's two classes of ADHD medications. There's the stimulants and the non-stimulants. The stimulants include methylphenidate and amphetamine-based medications like or dextroamphetamine, dexedrine, dextroamphetamine based medications. Those and medications. If you, if you will for a second, where do all these come from? Uh, the stimulants. What do you mean? Ritalin. <laughs> the pharmacy? Benzedrine. <laughs> no. no, no, no. Like the history, the, the, who's the grandfather of all these An amphetamine, benzedrine, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so Ritalin, the one you were put up, put on first, a stimulant was one of the first, the yeah. first ADHD drug. Yeah, so those are the stimulants, essentially. Then the type 2, the class 2 of ADHD meds are the non-stimulants. The non-stimulants include things like Intuniv, Stratera, and that's essentially Guanfacine and Tenex. Uh, Tenex is basically like a blood pressure medication. Those medications are about, those medications try to mitigate symptoms through the, through the norepinephrine pathways versus stimulants that try to mitigate symptoms through dopamine pathways oh. and preventing the dopamine reuptake. Dopamine okay, is important. Of a critical fact. Okay, right. so the separation there is between norepinephrine and dopamine. Right. And dopamine for the stimulant class of medications, dopamine is helpful in attention, sustaining attention, focus, energy and motivation and follow through. And it also has a bit of a calming effect sometimes for mood regulation. Now, norepinephrine, it's about emotional regulation, emotional control, as well as impulse control. And it, and it has a bit of a sedating 
effect, especially the, okay. the non-stimulant ADHD meds have a bit of a sedating effect. So the main, how do we say it? The, the main side effects, sorry, the main side effects no to the stimulant medications are decreased appetite, troubles falling asleep or staying asleep, sleep difficulties, you know, maybe a, a bit of a racing feeling. Sometimes people complain about it changing their personality a bit, mm. but once you kind of get used to it, it usually doesn't change your personality in a dramatic way. You just might feel a bit focused and kind of in a tunnel sometimes, like you have a it, bit of a tunnel vision with things. Yeah. Only recently have psychiatrists, neurologists started accepting this idea that personality is fluid that personality might be context-based and not fixed for a very, very long time. Modern psychology and modern neurology believe that personality is a fixed trait, characteristic, right? Fic mm -hmm. A fixed trait. Your personality at a certain point in your life fixed, and that was it. And now we're discovering and we're learning and we're reevaluating, and it looks more like personality is a fluid trait that depending on the context you're in, your personality may shift when changing perhaps a dose of medication or when starting stimulant medication, you may feel a personality shift, but that over time your body adjusts to it and you, you sort of learn to grapple with that um, in a more healthy way. Yeah, you, you do get used to it. And has that been your experience with medications? Well, I'll start by saying that you and I had similar beginnings. I was diagnosed in the South in Texas. And I think because of that, there was a bit of a lag on uh, education and progression through the new forms of treatment, medication, et cetera. So I was put on Ritalin when I was 10. So like 2001, 2000, 2001 was when I was diagnosed officially by a psychiatrist and was then prescribed Ritalin by my PCP. Hmm. And that was a little bit of a, it was a little bit of a gray area. So my pediatrician whom side note, I loved, had a great, healthy, very open relationship with my pediatrician. I was very lucky. He prescribed Ritalin, the psychiatrist diagnosed me officially as ADD, mm -hmm. and it was ADD at the time, yep. not ADHD. And I was told, again, God love that man, the pediatrician, but he did believe that my ADHD would go away between the age of about 15 to 19, essentially through puberty. And after my teenage years, ADD would be gone. And I would only need to medicate essentially five to 10 years <laughs> between the age of 10 and 20. So he gave you some some bad advice there. <laughs> that was, it was uh, bad, maybe a little heavy handed up for his, on his part. I think misinformed, uninformed, yeah. just naive information. So yeah, well, that's I started what, Ritalin. That's what doctors thought at that time, but... We yeah, know now that he, that's not true, that ADHD is a lifelong condition for most people. And yes. while the research puts the number in 65% or over, um, and I think that's extraordinarily low, <laughs> it, should, it, it probably is in the realm of 98% of people have ADHD for their lifetime. And then that 2% that doesn't is probably misdiagnosed. But anyways, yeah. back to this. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm 100%. off my soapbox. So how did you feel about medication? Right away. I, Did you take it? I cannot tell you. You don't I, remember? I, could, I can't report uh, adequately how I felt on a day to day as a 10 year old, but I do have little bursts of memory. Um, I remember I'm, taking medication with Nurse Biggs, who right. was a saint. And I took medication at the same time that a kid, Preston, in my class took insulin. And I remember, like, you know, Preston and I would meet at the same time. It was three times a day. 
and two of those he needed insulin. And um, yeah. I remember thinking it was cool that I had a buddy to like take meds to go to the nurse office with. Yeah, yeah, to like you go got to, to get out of class. With. Yeah, I got yeah, to I get out that. of class and like go do that. So it didn't. It didn't yeah, strike a, me as awkward. I had a hall pass, and I was like, okay, you could go oh, and and like. You know, I found myself wandering around doing a whole bunch of other stuff and then finally make it to the nurse's office. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I remember myself, like the first time I did take ADHD, I do remember this this cloudiness just like lifted and I had this clarity of mm. of seeing things. And I remember that it was like almost like I was in this mental fog or confusion or kind of like this barrage of thoughts all the time in my head. When I took the stimulant medication, I remember it just kind of slowed down and it kind of cleared. I remember almost watching my thoughts. I had this this feeling that I was I could slow down and individually think about my thoughts now instead of it feeling like this wave of thoughts over over and over these multiple thoughts Ooh, piling up quick. all the time, okay. and I could just stop and and let these things flow in front of me. You did bring back a memory from my senior year of high school. So I'm jumping a little ahead of myself, but I was taking Ritalin LA at the time, so extended release. I do remember an English class where on Ritalin LA, I could wa- I could sit back and let other people talk. Like I remember more actively listening to my classmates and sort of like a, a, a definitely a more chill vibe. Unfortunately, as far as Ritalin the medication is concerned, my memories of it are more negative than positive simply because it's been a long enough time that I don't, I don't really recall the nuance, like the subtle nuance of how I felt on medication as much as I remember the migraines I was getting every summer mm. and the eating issue, the fact that I, I really had an erratic appetite. But nonetheless, you persisted in taking that medication for quite a number of years, right? I was taking Ritalin without a substantial break. And I refer to substantial as six months to a year mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Until I graduated college. Wow. So I was taking Ritalin from the age of 10 until 21 without taking a break longer than three months. Wow. And and, and now uh, and now you take Adderall, right? You switched yeah, to Adderall. So so, I mean, not to selfishly steal the focus from you, because that was some pretty deep shit. I want to get back to Aaron on, yeah, no. on Ritalin in the early days. Um, I was taking Ritalin LA by the time I was in college, and by the time I was a junior or senior, I was taking it when I wanted to. It was very much in my control. As needed. Uh, which meant... Kind of, huh? As, as needed. needed for yes, studying. the phrase as needed. But by my senior year, I was really toying with taking it and not taking it and taking it and how do I feel and how how is my personality on it off it what what happens when I take it and go to a bar with my friends on a Friday Mm -hmm. night and you know drink like a college student and party like a college student are there any negative side effects come back to those after I graduated no Ritalin for two years Mm -hmm. so you kind of grappled with the question of what is it do I what is it doing for me? And do I need to be yeah. reliant on this substance forever? Do and I, I ended re- up be reliant saying on this medication no. forever. Right. I ended up graduating and saying, I don't think so. I, I, I finished, I finished Carnegie and said, I'm going to take a break for two years and see if I can operate in New York. And how did that work out for you? It worked. I didn't, I, you know, there was no bleeding. There was no death. There was no train wreck. 
Um, but I had. But you I went back on it for a reason. I did. So I. So had it didn't obviously work out that well for you. No, no, it wasn't a total success. But I had developed a pretty thick coat of armor with with some pretty competitive classmates over four years. So you developed some coping, coping skills. However, it was not perfect. And by the time Easter rolled around two years after I graduated, I went back on Ritalin. Mm. I immediately noticed an improvement in writing. Uh, I do a lot of, uh, as in the art world, I do a lot of writing short film, short story, poetry, etc. And I have this really fascinating bundle of like five to ten poems and short journal entries the day I started Easter 2015. Yeah. And that goes for about 10 days where I'm essentially, I'm, I'm, I'm reintroducing myself to Ritalin after being away for mm. two years. And it's, yeah, the writing is so clearly different than anything beforehand. It's, it's, it's electric, it's extremely fast, it's more aggressive. Mm -hmm. And then you can see my body over the period of about 10 plus days start to uh, re reconnect with the feeling, if that makes sense. Like I, I kind of slipped back into old Steven taking Ritalin and it wasn't until meeting you working with you in Greenwich, Connecticut, that you looked at me so surprised that I was still taking Ritalin. And I said, what's the look for? And you said, you should probably try Adderall or some other medications. Ritalin's yeah. a really old form of, of ADHD medication. So, um, under, your discretion and my own, I borrowed an Adderall from you and tried it. And the effect was astronomical. The difference between Ritalin and Adderall was night and day. It mm. was, it was less of a harsh rise, less of a harsh fall. It was smoother just in general. It felt more relaxing. It felt more expansive. Um, Ritalin can feel and did feel for me like a sharp knife, just a laser focus, hot burn. It was like a really hot burning gunpowder. <laughs> just like, and then done. <laughs> like right. No and obviously we're not advocating for people to share the medications or to do that kind of thing. No, that's it what was, I said. Right. Yeah. So this was a one-time thing and, and we're both are diagnosed and you know, you shouldn't share your medications. But anyways, I remember you saying that you had this sharp drop off and you were having some mood difficulties as you came down. Like you're feeling very moody and, and, and disgruntled and other things like that as you would come down from taking your Ritalin as you're coming off of it. It's wearing off. Yeah. And that is one of the main reasons why Ritalin these days isn't being prescribed as, as much, especially for children, because one of the main side effects or features of Ritalin was always this sharp crash at the end of the day. Mm. And that's why there was this trend of re-upping kind of around after school time. So you take it in the morning, right. maybe you take it at noon, and then you'd have to take it again, you know, after school. And but that's a lot of maintenance, right? So yeah. today, now we have other medications. We have Focalin, which is still a methylphenidate, still the same class as Ritalin, but they formulated a little bit differently. So kids these days don't have that sharp drop off and it doesn't come down as harshly. Most of the time kids are prescribed Focalin instead of the straight up Ritalin. These and days. I didn't hear about Focalin until I want to say a year or two out of college. I well, it is again, it's fairly minutes. new. So it's probably right. 
by the time I was a senior in college, I had only heard of Adderall, Ritalin, Concerta, Stratera, Vivance, and that's it. But you've only tried really two, right? Which is... So, no. No. <laughs> okay, oh, this, is, okay. this is a good story. Oh. So, in a small one, uh, there was an eight-week-long camp that I used to go to only two years. The first year, I was on Ritalin. Mm. And... I am a very outgoing, outdoorsy guy. So, you know, if you remember the fact that most camp counselors are college kids and it's an all boys camp, so it's just like college dudes. So I was a gem the first year and the second year, very different. We changed to Concerta. And it was the first oh, time. Oh, you were on Concerta. Concerta. Okay. Yeah. And I was a different beast. How old I were went, you? I was 11 and 12. The first mm. year I was 11, second year I was 12. So I'd been taking Ritalin for two years and we switched to Concerta that summer and my parents decided to do that because it was a safe time to do so. It mm -hmm. was the summer. Kind of try it out. It was a trial. And again, this, this camp was six weeks. For the first three, I was a train wreck, Heron. I was a train mm. wreck. I was homesick. I was crying all the time. I, I don't say this as a badge of honor. I don't cry. I was crying for no reason at all. I was crying when I got a milkshake. I was crying when I like stepped out of my bunk bed mm. and almost got hurt. You know, and so these counselors who knew me from the year before called my parents and they were like, Stephen is not the same <laughs> that we remember from right last here. year. <laughs> yeah, something's not right. And my mom and uh, my dad were like, it's all good. We are trying this new medication. It's clearly not working. Um, we're going to mail some Ritalin and the second half of the, the summer camp, I was back to myself, my normal self. And Concerta is, I believe a, a methylphenidate as well, but it's a stronger, it tends to be stronger than Focalin or Ritalin. And it's mm. more of an extended release version. So you take right. it and it lasts for 12 hours, you know, for a, a pretty long period of the time. It's one of the longest lasting ones. Here's a fun fact about Mm -hmm. Short acting versus fact acting, little interjection. I have a short acting versus takes extended, extended release. release. Yes. Thank you. Um, I have a close friend who takes extended release. Okay, I think she takes extended release Adderall. Yeah. And she drew a diagram for me of the layers of the pill and how the body metabolizes them at different times throughout the day mm. and releases certain chemical, like certain chemical mixtures per layer and I had no idea that was the case. It always looks just like some like dots or some dust inside of a pill. Yeah. Right? If you open up a pill of Adderall, any of these yeah. XR or extended yeah. release medications, you open it up, you look at it, there's different types of beads in there. Some of the beads are immediate release forms mm -hmm. of the medication and some are extended release. And you metabolize this pill in your gut and it's a bit of a experiment that goes on in there because everyone's metabolism rates a little bit different. So yep. when someone has a very positive experience and your child maybe doesn't have the same positive experience, the same medication, the same amount, and you wonder, what is this about? That's something to consider is that ADHD medications are not based on weight. So if your doctor tells you, well, your son's 80 pounds, therefore he takes this much wrong <laughs> Wrong. Yeah, be need, suspicious of that doctor's. <laughs> be suspicious of that doctor's experience, because ADHD medications are metabolized. So it's the rate of metabolism versus 
and the, sim- and the sensitivity to medications versus weight or height. You know what we should do at the end of this? We should give ourselves, particularly you, actually, yeah. a minute to two just to list the no-nos and the, like the pros and like like if <laughs> like you a hear top this, ten or something. <laughs> yeah, like like the top ten. This is not correct. If you hear this, I think that's absolutely necessary okay. for the end of this. But um, yeah. So Concerta was a, to- a total no-brainer. It was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. Don't go there. And it was immediate. I mean, these these. Camp counselors had not changed the same guys, and they they observed a sharp decline right. in attitude. So you've you've been on Ritalin, Concerta, I believe and we Adderall tried Stratera now. as well. You tried Stratera too? I believe so. I'll be honest that you don't remember. I'm ninety nine percent sure it was Concerta that summer, but it may mm-hmm. have been Stratera. I just know that it was something outside of the field of Ritalin. Okay. And now I've tried Adderall, and I'm very, very comfortable and cozy with Adderall. Okay. And just to finish up on this, I know that you're a film artsy type person. And did was one of the reasons why you decided to kind of take this hiatus right after college because you felt like medications hindered your creative your creativity? During college. When I was a junior and senior, I mentioned earlier, I was testing around, some taking it, some nights, some nights not. My senior year as a directing major, I had a thesis, and I was my thesis was in the fall of my senior year, and you get a full-length play that uh, I pitched to the teachers, and so I had a certain amount of time to rehearse and put it up. I made it a point to test my abilities as a director, my confidence as a director, my proficiency as a director, on or off Ritalin at the time. And what did you find? Uh, I, I did this test twice. One sophomore year with acting and one senior year with directing. With directing, I didn't notice a big difference. And the reason is my support structure. So I had, as a director, I had uh, stage managers and production managers and dramaturgs. I had people helping me get things done, designers, etc. You're kind of captaining a ship, but you have many other heads of staff, essentially. Mm-hmm. So if I took Ritalin, I, I found I was more sharp. I might be a little more clever even, which is a gray area, but you know, more concise thoughts and kind of quicker shooting from the hip with directing notes or ideas. Mm-hmm. But off Ritalin... I would go more absurd, way more impulsive. Uh, there'd be a lot more play with props and like, it, which sounds silly, but like shiny objects, like there'd be more, more stuff going on. But all of that was being curtailed by neurotypical team members, to be honest. Now, two years prior in acting classes, very different, very different. Taking medication, I would be in my head way more. So, and, and what that means for the actors and performers in the world, heady. So I, I'd be in a scene and I was commenting on the moment <clears throat> and I was in my head and my internal monologue was very loud. When I wasn't on Ritalin, I would lose myself into a scene. Mm-hmm. So a character, my character was way more authentic, uh, so to speak, because I wasn't commenting. I would let go. 
uh, we had a teacher who said, hold on tightly, let go lightly. Mm. On Ritalin, I held on tightly. On off Ritalin, I let go lightly. And the performances were better. And that's a very important point because I think this is actually one of the main side effects of a stimulant medication is that sometimes it can increase your self-monitoring. It can increase some of the underlying insecurity or doubts or anxieties that some people have. Not to say that you have these things. I'm just stating the general now. Totally. That for some folks, it, it increases those underlying tendencies. So if you have this, this anxiety already, then being on a stimulant medication, it can exacerbate those symptoms. So that's one of the things to be careful hmm. about. So as you move up, more more medication isn't always better medication. Right. More Ritalin, it, if it works at this level, doesn't mean we should up the dose to the next 10 milligrams right. or 5 Very milligrams because point. as you increase the dose, you also increase the likelihood of side effects. So that's a thing. And I'll just say this for parents that the top thing to do when you're talking to your physician about ADHD medications and how to find the right dose, first thing. Make sure to start low. Start the lowest possible amount. Lowest possible I milligram dosage. Five, five, and five. When right. I was uh, five milligrams, five milligrams, five milligrams. And you can look up, as a parent, you can look up a chart. They have charts online. We'll probably post this as well in the show notes. But there's charts of all the ADHD medications and the recommended dosages and how those break down. Mm. So the beginning, the starter dose is usually a very low amount. And then you titrate that up. You move it up gradually over time so a week two weeks a month on that dose you move it up until you start getting to the place where side effects outweigh the benefits so the benefits increase gotcha. as the medication increases but also the side effects and at some point the side effects go, go above the benefits oh okay. and then what you do is you drop it down you increase you titrate it up all the way to the point at which you know, your the benefits are, are high, but the side effects are getting high. And then all of a sudden, side effects are too much. My appetite is decreased. It's affecting my sleep. Right. I'm feeling jittery. I'm feeling kind of like a zombie or not like myself. Those are all warning signs, warning flags that you're over-medicated because you shouldn't feel that way. My experience with medications, I, I was on Ritalin and Wellbutrin early on, grade school, through middle school, early high school. And in high school, I stopped taking medicine consistently. I'd take it kind of as needed because the, like you said, the prevailing wisdom at the time was you don't want to take this all the time. You take it as a study enhancement or you take it as needed, but you take summer vacations off, right? You, you've probably heard these like medication vacations in the summer. And that was recommended when we were growing up. A lot. Mm. And, and even still today, it's recommended. But that's not right. That is not vacations. Right. Yes. That is not what most competent experts recommend these days, because they actually suggest that you shouldn't do these medication vacations. Yeah, because, that's why I experience those migraines. Right. Because medication or ADHD does not go away in the summer. So I'll just say that, that 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 is not the way to go. For me in college, I switched to Adderall because I hadn't heard about it until I got into college. Other students were taking Adderall and I was like, hmm, Adderall, I guess I've never tried this. I don't know if it works, but I know I didn't quite like Ritalin. It always 
felt like I crashed on Ritalin. So I decided to take a uh, try Adderall in college. At the beginning of college or was this, was this pre-college beginning, or during beginning, college? Beginning college is when I first switched to Adderall. Okay. Yeah. And I found a huge benefit. So, and I didn't know about extended release Adderall. I just did right. immediate release Adderall. But what year was that? For me, it was, I think, like 2001, 2002-ish. Interesting. 2002, okay. I believe, something like that. Which is, yeah. which is the moment I'm getting diagnosed and being prescribed Ritalin in Texas. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> For all of those listening at home, that was an age gap. <laughs> That's an age gap. Yes, we're aging yeah. me here. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to, but at the moment you were switching from Ritalin, which wasn't working to Adderall, I was being prescribed Ritalin. Yes. Um, so that's okay. That's cool though. So you started an Adderall and immediately positive reaction. Right. And, but it wasn't that I always liked Adderall because I always had this push pull the same as you, where I felt that it inhibited some of my creative potential and impulses as well. And I didn't like all the time how it made my personality feel because I'd get stuck in these kind of hyper-focused bubbles or I'd, I'd feel like I'd be paying attention to all these minute things that maybe I should pay attention to, but other things like it, it heightens your attentiveness, but it also heightens your attentiveness to things that, uh, it doesn't heighten your discretion abilities, right? It, it, it helps you focus, yeah. but it doesn't help you prioritize and it doesn't help you practice good discretion and what you're focusing on. So sometimes yeah. I could over-focus on the wrong things versus focus on the right things. And I'd go down a rabbit hole of focus and I didn't always like who I was on medication. Mm. But mm. that said, I had times when I went on and off of it. But I've overall, I've made the decision to also, like you, continue with medication. Because yeah. when you weigh the benefits versus, and this is a personal decision for everyone, weighing the benefits versus the side effects. And for, your career, your vocation, your right. Life. All contact, all variables. I have tried going without, and I have Did tried it. doing it, and I don't think it's a weakness. I don't think it's something no. you need to feel bad about and like, oh, why do why do I need to depend on this medication? No, and trust that's me, so important to say. We both have gone through this, and we both yep. understand that need and the desire to not want to be reliant on any kind of substance. It, it directly, like one yes. to one, the decision to not take it was a an insecurity that I was dependent on something. Right. And of course, no one wants that. And the same no. parents, they don't want to prescribe something that's not necessary. Right. What kind of parent wants to give their kid a pill if it's not Absolutely. needed? If your child was was squinting at the board and couldn't see in class, would you just tell that child to squint harder? No, you'd, you'd go and get them glasses. It's simply allowing yourself to have a... a chance to thrive and to strive and to learn in a way that you're kind of getting that that handicap removed everyone else is starting that race a lap ahead mm. and you're getting a bit of a boost you know you're they're starting that timer a little bit faster for you yeah and and that's the kind of way that i look at it is that yes it, it's helpful 
But as Ari Tuckman says, yeah, pills don't teach skills. Right. So right. that's where the other piece comes in. If you take medications, it's not that's not where the start and the stop is. That's not no. a magic bullet or the magic solution to anything. So just because you go in, you get a, a prescription doesn't mean, okay, we're good. Yeah, so you need you need to use that as a starting place to figure out coping mechanisms, to get therapy, coaching, other forms of help, to learn yeah. life skills and learn ways to control these executive functioning difficulties that come along with ADHD. Top five tips about medication. Excellent. Ready? Go. All right. Coming in at number five, medication vacations. Ah. That is eh. not the way to do it. ADHD does nope. not go away in the summer, and it doesn't just affect you with studying. Contrary to popular belief. Contrary to popular <laughs> belief. So ADHD. if your doctor says that, yeah. do not listen. Nope. Number four, find the right medication and know the difference between the classes of medication, stimulants versus non-stimulants. Educate yourself. Check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. Amen, brother. <laughs> Number three, find the right dose. Start low and move up from there. Titrate it up steadily and slowly. Number two, explore the alternatives to medication, which include exercise, mindfulness, meditation, uh, diet. Diet. <laughs> and supplements. Sleep. Sleep. To name a few. To name a few. All right. <laughs> yeah. And number one, pills don't teach skills. Amen. Find other help and other strategies to help yourself. And that includes therapy, coaching, and other types of strategies to avoid, mitigate the symptoms. Avoid, medicate it, and forget it. Exactly. All right. Great. Okay, so before we close out, I just wanted to wrap up by saying this topic is beefy. We will be coming back. We'll be circling back to this discussion often, frequently, and a lot. There will not just be one more episode. There will be many more episodes about medication, other forms of treatment, more anecdotes from Aaron and I about our experiences with medicating and other forms of treatment. So please tune back in. This is episode seven, right? Mm -hmm. So episode 15, episode 18, right, 27. Just, just leave it. <laughs> 32, 48, we're gonna come. We're going to come back. 205, <laughs> 309. All right. 1,008. <laughs> okay, we're done. We're done. All we're right. Done. <laughs> to medicate or not to medicate. That is the question. That is the question. You see what I mean? You got to be crazy. Too late to be sane. You got to go full tilt, full loop. Because you're only given a little spark of that. We are attention. If you lose that, you're nothing. Attention. Pay attention. Pay attention.